Welcome back to the Building HVAC Science Podcast, where it's our goal to help create better, more knowledgeable HVAC and building performance technicians, by helping the two professions, the trades, to work better to understand each other with the ultimate goal of making customers happy in the homes they live in, in the buildings they worked in. Today's a little different episode. Today, we found out there's an elk running around, loose, at True Tech Tools. That elk is Eric Kaiser. With the 349 common connections Eric and I have in LinkedIn, this speaks a lot to the common perspectives we share and some common experiences, yet it's in the differences, it's in the weeds, where the conversation gets interesting. Please welcome Eric Kaiser as True Tech Tools' new industry engagement manager and new co-host of this podcast. We call Eric the Elk. Those are his initials. That differentiates him from my co-owner, Eric Preston. So let's listen in as Eric and I have a discussion, get to know each other a little bit better, and help you understand a little bit more about where he's coming from and where his interests and passions lie. There's a lot of great links in the show notes to Eric's email, his LinkedIn uh, Facebook group that he works with, the Grapevine, HVAC Grapevine. He also has done several YouTubes for other people. They'll be doing a lot more for True Tech. And also some of his favorite links to like the HVACR School Symposium, the National Comfort Institute, the Energy Vanguard blog, Allison Bales, and the Building Science Corp seminars, Building Science, Joe Stebrick. So let's get into this episode and learn a little bit more about the elk running loose at True Tech. Three, two, one. I'm just doing that for effect. I didn't really need to do that. <laughs> I think we need like a snapboard or something up here. <laughs> yes. Hey, welcome back to Building HVAC Science. And today I'm here with new full-time True Tech employee and for the listeners of the podcast, my new co-host, Eric Kaiser. Thank you, Bill. Pleasure to be here. Eric, this is great. We sometimes call Eric the elk because we have another Eric, Eric Preston at the company. And he actually gave us this idea. He could be called the elk. The okay. Well, it is my initials, so it works. That's perfect. So I've had Eric and his wife, Rachel, on the podcast in the last three, four months, five months, something like that. It was a few months ago. Boy, it may have been longer than that. Yeah, it might have been last year. Yeah. Within the last year, for sure. So let's have you do like a quick introduction background to yourself, and then we'll get into today's topic. So let's see. Man, I grew up around mechanical systems. I've done a lot of different things over my life and my career, but I really got into HVAC in 2004 as a residential technician and started digging into the field met you through some mutual friends at a conference that Jim Bergman was hosting there in Ohio in what we figured about 2006-7 time frame. Yep. And I've done a fair amount of different things in the HVAC industry, worked in residential, installation, service technician, did some commercial service work, worked at a distributor as technical support and training, and then for a while ran my own company doing all kinds of different training and various things. And now I'm at TrueTech and super excited to be here. So your industry engagement manager, I want to know when the wedding is, where you're going to get married to the industry or are you already? <laughs> I think I'm pretty well married to this industry already. 
how's that old movie line go? You might try to get out, but they suck you back in or something like that. I think that's like a line from Hotel California. <laughs> oh, maybe that's what it is. Yeah. You can check out, but you can never leave. Yeah. I think I'm pretty well ensconced in this industry for the long haul at this point. It would be really hard to leave. I love the industry as far as HVAC. And later on, when I was running my own company, I started doing some shell testing, started learning more about the building shell and really understanding the importance of a good shell to contain the comfort within the home or within the structure, whatever it be, for the occupants. And that has really become a focus in my life over the past, we'll say probably five or six years, is learning a lot more about that and learning how to focus on that and tying the two industries, the HVAC and the building science industries together. Yeah, so we're going to explore that topic today. And the intro for this podcast is always talking about helping building science and HVAC, those industries, the technicians in those industries work better together. And you have the notion of, in addition to this expensive air and containing it, talking about the whys. So you seem to have some things on your mind. And I want to learn more about that, have a conversation about that, and introduce that more to our audience here. I think that's great. It's always been like something that I've thought of in that way, but you said something in a presentation we were co-presenting in Minneapolis last fall at a BPA convention. Yeah, the Home Performance Conference, yep. Yeah, the Midwest Home Performance Conference, one of the regional conferences. And you said something during that presentation that really has just it continues to roll around in my brain and drop things out every once in a while. It sounds like your head's a pinball machine. Come on. <laughs> well, there's not a lot up there, but if things bounce around and fall out every once in a while. Some of it's good, some of it questionable. But what you said was that HVAC systems make expensive air, and the job of the house or the shell is to contain that expensive air. And that resonates with me in so many ways. And I see this shift happening with some people in the HVAC industry and in the building science industry, they're starting to look to that other industry and say, hey, what are you guys doing over here? What are you guys doing over there? And the two industries are really all about indoor comfort and indoor health. And when we build a house or a building, we make this what's supposed to be a sealed structure. And then we punch holes in it to put an HVAC system in. So now the two industries are intertwined and interlaced. And we're moving air through these holes that we often punch in the shell of the house with our HVAC systems when we have forced air systems. And the two industries really have to work together in order to make sure that that air is conditioned properly as well as contained properly within the structure for the occupants. And I think there's a great benefit to these two industries tying themselves together, working together, and almost becoming one or becoming very, very closely intertwined. And I see a few companies doing this, but by and large, a lot of companies are ignoring that aspect of things. And I think there's a really big part of this industry that could stand to learn a lot more about each other or both of these two industries. 
as you mentioned before, you had the chance to go to the Home Performance Conference, the Midwest one in November with me, actually, and then also with me and with Billy. We went to the one recently in April in Seattle. What were your observations there? Did you see HVAC contractors at both? I see a few HVAC contractors. Do you think they're onto something? Like they've discovered a secret in some ways? I think they really have. I think the HVAC contractors that are looking at the building shell, I think they've discovered a secret ingredient that everybody is still figuring out. There's a couple contractors that have, I think, found the secret recipe. But because we have to contain that air and we have to size our equipment to the loads of the space, to the loss or the gain or both of that space, I think it's a huge piece of a great big puzzle that we understand both sides of it as contractors and as technicians. I can think of so many instances across my career where if I had known then what I know now about the building shell and about the structure around the occupants, I would have approached problems very differently. I would have been able to solve people's problems much, much faster and much more profitably because I would have been able to offer them real solutions. Whereas a lot of times as an HVAC technician, all I thought about was equipment and throwing more equipment. And when we throw more equipment at something, it's expensive and sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. Whereas if I understand the entire shell and I treat the house and the HVAC as a giant system that all works together in concert, then I can actually get real solutions and understand a whole lot more of what is going on. Can you think of any specific instances, anything that comes to mind, like a specific project where you would have done something differently? I can think of a number. Some of them where and a lot of it has to do with humidity. People have humidity issues in their house, or maybe they didn't have humidity issues and they change equipment. Describe humidity issues, because that can manifest in a couple different ways, a handful of different ways. Absolutely. It can be high and low humidity. So typically where I'm at in the Midwest, in Indiana, we experience in the summertime high humidity issues in houses. And a lot of the equipment has changed. So the equipment that we get today doesn't often remove as much or the percentage of the performance of that equipment doesn't remove as much humidity as the percentage of the piece of equipment that's maybe 20 years old and coming out. So when we replace that equipment like for like, now the new equipment isn't taking out the same percentage of humidity or the same humidity to sensible ratio that the old equipment was, and we end up with high humidity problems. Because very likely that old equipment was oversized, and now the new equipment is also oversized, but it's not taking the humidity out because the humidity to sensible ratio is different. Okay, so we get a crossover of listeners on this show. So I'm going to ask you to peel back the why of the new equipment being less able to dehumidify. That's a great question. So when we save energy by reducing the energy usage in the equipment, there's an unintended consequence that the indoor coil, which is our heat absorption coil in cooling, for those of you who work with heat pumps, the indoor coil absorbs heat. Well, the indoor coil 
temperature is controlled directly by the compression ratio of the compressor because the refrigerant inside that coil, the temperature of the refrigerant is controlled by the compression ratio. That's where the magic happens. <laughs> That's where the magic happens, right. So the older equipment had a wider compression ratio, which means it had a colder indoor coil, which means it would condense more moisture out of the air because it's a colder surface. So as the air passed over it, it would condense the moisture and allow it to drain off. What the newer equipment, one of the ways that we saved energy or reduced energy consumption, I'm not great, that saving energy thing is ingrained in me, but it's not exactly the correct term for what we're trying to do. We're trying to reduce energy consumption because as Dr. Stebrick says, there is no free thermodynamic lunch. And if you don't understand that, we have to use energy to move heat. We're moving heat from point A to point B. We have to use energy to do that. And we can reduce that energy usage. We can still remove heat or move heat from point A to point B. But by warming that coil up, we shift the performance percentage away from the latent heat or the moisture. And we shift it into sensible heat or what we use to deactivate our thermostat and turn that equipment back off. So there's a couple solutions to that. And both of them involve reducing the size of the equipment. So you can reduce the size of the equipment and hope that you can manage the moisture that's coming into the house if the house is leaky, or you can seal up the house or figure out where the leaks are in the house, the big leaks, and try to seal those up, which means you have less moisture coming in from outside. Because when we cool a house, we have a lower indoor temperature where moisture likes to go to cold. So it's naturally going to migrate through any leaks in that house into the colder insides of that house and try to migrate in there straight from that hot and humid outdoors. So you get natural migration of humidity into that house. Well, if we had sealed up leaks in that house, we could have potentially made those units work correctly. And we could have also potentially reduced the size of the equipment, which would have reduced the cost to the homeowner a little bit, potentially on putting that equipment in. So this is the 2023 Eric versus the 2000. Maybe 2015 Eric or. <laughs> the 2015 Eric might not have paid attention to this detail, but the 2023 Eric, I'm not saying you are, but if you were to work on a job, how important would understanding the building performance be to you if you're working on, say, a replacement? Oh, way more important initially than understanding the equipment performance. Because if I don't know how that building is performing, I cannot accurately apply equipment. Or you can run into trouble because of the available equipment is going to have this higher sensible heat ratio baked into it. To me, it's like trying to go out to the store and buy a pair of shoes off the shelf without looking at the size and knowing the size of your foot. <laughs> okay. I'm guessing you have a large foot. <laughs> <laughs> I do, but... We've got way too personal here, Eric. <laughs> you walk into a shoe store and you see all the sizes of shoes sitting on the store. You walk into wherever you might be shopping at. Look at all those sizes. Now, just blank out that size on the shoes and figure out how long it takes you to figure out what size shoe you have. Pretend that size is covered over there. And now you have to start pulling boxes off the shelf and trying every one of them on. And that foot is your house, or maybe the foot is the air conditioning system, however you want to look at it. And the shoe 
is the other half of the system. And the two have to fit together in order to be comfortable and have to fit together in order to work well. And that's what we do. If we don't know what one half is, we can't figure out what the other half is. If we don't know what the size our foot is, we're not going to be able to put it into the right shoe. What about supplemental dehumidification? That's always an option, but it adds cost. It adds complexity. It not only adds our initial cost to put it in, it takes up more space, which people in houses today are very, very space conscious. Nobody wants to give up space in a new house or they don't want to lose space in an existing house. And if anybody's ever walked into a house and looked at or told the owner that, oh, you're going to have to give up an extra 20 or 30 or 40 square foot of space to hold this new equipment and all this new ductwork for supplemental dehumidification, they may look at you like you have three heads and they're going to potentially go with the guy down the street unless they've already been with that and nobody else could solve the problem. And additionally, there's the energy consumption. Yeah. There's more energy consumption as you're operating it. There's more repair costs down the road. There's more maintenance costs. I like supplemental dehumidification for certain times of the year, but at the same time, let's try and do it without it if we can. Right. It can be in your bag of tricks. Yeah. Understanding that now, it's been like just this huge light bulb that went off behind my head. Digging in deeper to that, if there was a cartoon, Eric, there would be a giant light bulb above my head going flash, flash, flash. Being in the Midwest area, if you run into situations like with humidity in terms of sweating grills, because that can be like a really visible sign and perhaps a material problem with durability. Oh, yeah. Run into that quite a bit. And that's one of those things where the answer is it depends. It may be that the humidity in the room is too high. I'm talking ahead of myself here because the first thing you have to know about anytime anything sweats is either the surface is too cold and it's below dew point. Obviously, the surface is below dew point or it wouldn't be condensing. So either the surface is too cold or the humidity is too high. So we could have low airflow, which creates colder air coming out of the ducts. That colder air is suddenly below dew point of the room. We could have high humidity in the room where if the air conditioner is not removing the correct amount of humidity or we have excess humidity coming into a room, we could have gaps around those registers, especially ceiling registers. This is really common. If you have a leaking gap around them, the air coming out of that register actually creates a venturi effect. And if it's an attic or if it's even a floor register with a humid crawl space or something underneath it, You'll pull air in next to that boot where it goes through the floor or through the ceiling. And there'll be hot, humid air coming out right next to that, which will then swirl and condense on the surface of that register. There's so many things that I missed, my fellow coworkers missed, people in the industry, other people have missed over the years because we didn't understand the building shell that's trying to contain that expensive air that we're making with the HVAC system. I can't stress that enough. And that's one of the, like I told you when we were talking about me coming to work here, that's one of the things that I want to do. I want to help those two industries connect together and really work together better in the future, because I think it's going to be better for both industries and the customer. Yeah. And we were having a meeting just a few hours ago before talking about some marketing topics and talked about the fact that 
one of the reasons I think I threw out there why there isn't a tremendous amount of engagement with building performance, home performance, and HVAC is the the value is not appreciated. So you just spoke of several things that have value for the client and the contractor, and they just need to be tied into this area of science, if you will. And the science really isn't, you tell me, is the science something that took you a long time to learn, that baffled you, that sent you down many different paths? It honestly did. And there wasn't a lot of good centralized information on it. And that has actually changed in the past couple of years. Allison Bale's book, Does a House Need to Breathe? That's a really great one. I'm trying to think of the four authors, and the only one I can come up with is Michael Means, but it's called A Pretty Good House. Yeah. Dan Colbert, Emily Mutram. Yeah. And there's a third person there, Chris, somebody. <laughs> yeah, there was four people on that, and I don't have the book sitting on my shelf. It's actually in my house because I was reading through a part of it again. But that's another really good one. There's just some really, really good information. Joe Stebrick, the Building Science Corporation. His papers were phenomenal in helping me understand. Sitting in some of Joe's classes, I took a class. It was over the pandemic. He did it online, and it was a four-day, like four afternoons. It was split up, I think, over a two-week period. The materials for the class are free on his website. You just don't get to hear him present them. Right. The materials for the class. Yeah, if you wanted to get a free snack of building science. Yeah, they're useful, but him presenting them and hearing the knowledge that goes along with them takes that to the next level. So if you get a chance to sit in on that class, I don't even remember what they charge for the class, but the knowledge that I took away from that worth way more than the cost of admission. And even the people that do the Pretty Good House book, they're doing classes too, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, okay. Yeah. So they have a class series. And just like a minor pivot, you're going to get to go to summer camp. Can you tell people what summer camp is? Yeah. Building Science Summer Camp is what it's called. The official name is the Westford Building Science Symposium, I think. Yes. That Joe Stebrick and his wife host every year. I got an invitation. Actually, Rachel and I both got an invitation to that this year. And I am stoked because that is the pretty much the who's who of building scientists. It's a really great place to network. And you know, that's one of the things that got Brian interested in doing the HVAC symposium. Really? Yeah. That's pretty cool. He wanted to have something like that for the HVAC world. Yeah. Talk about the HVAC symposium, what your perspectives are on that. So the HVAC symposium, if nobody knows what that is, it's hosted down in Florida every year by Brian Orr. Normally, when AHR is in Orlando, because he's just outside of Orlando and Claremont, it's the same week as AHR. But when AHR is not in Orlando, it's scheduled a little bit differently. He holds it a few weeks away from that so that those people can go to both. But the HVACR Symposium, it's a small event. I think he sells 200 tickets for in-person. It's a very intimate event. It is the really, I think, people that want to learn. Every time I've been there, everyone that is there wants to be there. They want to learn. There have been some just phenomenal speakers and sessions there that I never would have learned about, I don't think, 
had I not gone to that event. And it is really great because you get to talk to the speakers in person if you're there. There's a lot of side conversations that happen. There's social events afterwards in the evenings. Brian's done a really good job and his team, really. Brian, if you talk to him, he's like, yeah, my team does all this. I don't do so much of it anymore. It's a big lift to set that event up and they do a really great job of it. If you can manage. One of the enhancements in the last couple of years is the virtual presence, either live or with the recorded videos afterwards. In the last couple of years, he's kept the ticket price to $22. And that may even still be available for the last one that was had. It might still be open. I think it's through October. I don't know if they are still available or not, but... Yeah, you can still get a ticket and watch the sessions. Yeah, He records all the sessions and provided that the presenter gives the permission, I think, they get recorded. And then you can view those. Everybody that attends in person gets a virtual ticket, but you can also buy the virtual ticket for you know $22. And you get to watch those classes for, I think, nine months afterwards or 12 months. Yeah, I would think it's almost to the end of the year. And the other thing is you can find a lot of them, some major excerpts are in the YouTube channel for free. Yeah, on the HVAC School YouTube channel. Yeah. So it, how about your feeling about building science and HVAC symposium? Are you seeing elements of that incorporated? Absolutely. Allison Bales has been down there and spoken, starting to see a lot more of the HVAC world, the HVAC contractors look to building science to solve problems. And we're starting to see, I've seen some, and I haven't been to as many of the building science events as I have HVAC because HVAC was my primary focus for a long time. So from what I've seen, we're starting to see a lot of the building science people look to HVAC to solve some problems as well, or to make sure that what they're doing with the shell is actually going to work after they get it done whether it be a new build or a retrofit or anything else like that. That's one of the things that anytime you change something or anytime that something is changed on that shell, you have to go back and check to make sure that the HVAC system is going to do the job. Because if you make a major change where you reduce the humidity coming in or you reduce the heat load, the heat transfer in or out of a building, the HVAC system may suddenly become massively oversized and oversizing leads to comfort issues and really conditioning spaces is all about achieving comfort for the occupants. And if we don't achieve comfort, we don't have happy occupants and that leads to all kinds of other problems. What did the 2015 Eric Kaiser know about building science or home performance? A little bit. And why didn't you implement it? I implemented what I knew at that point. And as I look back now, I knew I was just scratching the surface. I was just really had gotten into it. My first employer actually had a blower door. We rarely used it. In fact, I think I was involved with one test. I know he did a couple of others while I was there in the, what, six years that I was with him. But it wasn't an often used tool. And Again, thinking back now, if I had the knowledge then that I do now, I would have applied that in a lot more situations. Did they bring it out like the big guns for certain situations? You recall why they would have had one? And I don't know exactly. I think he got into it with some of the weatherization programs. Oh, okay. 
And then it was one of those things that sat in the back room and everybody was like, oh, what is that? That's a big red box that sits over there in the corner. Okay. And there really wasn't the drive to use it. It was brought out in a couple of situations where there was serious health issues in the house and we needed to solve some health issues and they were looking at infiltration and things like that. Got it. So the big guns. And that testing that leakage in the house using a blower door is just so valuable for calculating the size of the equipment, calculating the humidity amount that's going to be in the house. All of that stuff makes a difference. So you've used the term blower door several times in this conversation, and there's two major global manufacturers, Retrotech and the Energy Conservatory, and they're each doing their own part, I think, to do this same kind of connection with contractors. What are your observations on that? I would agree. They're both doing a very good job starting to connect with contractors. They both have very good in-house trainers for both of that. Name their names. Come on. <laughs> okay. So over at, let's see, Retrotech has Sam Myers, and he does a lot of the building training. And then over at the Energy Conservatory, they're kind of separated because they do a little bit into HVAC with the TrueFlow grid, and Chris Hughes handles that. And then on the building shell side, they have Jake McAlpine as their building shell expert. So between those three people out there in the industry, yeah, there's a lot of knowledge right there and a lot of good training from those two organizations. And similarly, they have great recorded content, video content, because a lot of these concepts, you need to have the visual to go along with it or actually watching a test take place is very important in understanding that. And I've seen content from both organizations that is really tremendous in the last few years come out. So it's a good thing to see that there's a lot of people on our team here, Eric. <laughs> <laughs> there is a growing number of people on this team that think HVAC and building science need to be connected. And it's happening. I only hope we can speed it up and get some of the people involved that maybe don't think that or really haven't looked at the other side of the coin or the other piece of the puzzle, so to speak. And so I'll give our listeners a chance to feed back. Eric's email address is? ekaiser, and that's K-A-I-S-E-R, at truetechtools.com. Hit me up. And mine is Bill at truetechtools.com. And if you want to explore this further or you have some doubts or you want to hear some topic covered, Eric and I are going to be double teaming this world of HVAC and building science because it needs attention. And we think we have the forces and the knowledge to come to bear and to try to do more work in this area. Yeah. And if we don't have the answers, I think we can probably connect people with someone that has the answers to anybody's questions. Yeah. The combination of our networks is just something I'm just so thrilled about. That's such a great thing. Hey, and tell us about a little bit about the grapevine. The grapevine, the HVAC grapevine. So that's another show that I'm involved in. And we meet on Sunday nights at 8 Eastern. You can find more about that on our YouTube channel, the HVAC grapevine, or the Facebook group, the HVAC grapevine. Always some good content happening in there as well. Very good. My goal to introduce you to our audience, our network, to get them, their minds thinking about these topics and get your perspective. 
added to the mix here. Any closing thoughts you want to give to listeners? I've got a lot of thoughts right now, but nothing really concrete falling out that I can put into words. How about that? I'm looking forward to working with you on this show and at True Tech. It's going to be a lot of fun, I can say. That. Yeah, me too. Listeners, thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Building HVAC Science Podcast. And thank you, Eric, for coming on board and joining us here. Thanks for having me, Bill. Let's go have some fun. Absolutely. And we have like 349 mutual contacts on LinkedIn. So, Is that all? <laughs> yeah, that's all. Mutual ones. I know we got to both work on our networks here. I guess so. Yeah. All right. Take care. All. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Building HVAC Science Podcast. I also host the ResTalk Podcast, where you can learn more about the rapidly expanding world of home energy ratings and peripheral topics. That's part of ResNet, R-E-S-N-E-T dot U-S, the organization that managed the home energy rating system. There's a lot of other great trade-related resources out there and influencers, including HVACR School, HVAC Shop Talk, Stephen Reardon, HVAC Reefer Guy, Tool Pros, Service Business Mastery, Quality HVAC, HVAC Overtime, HVACR Videos, HomeDiagnosis.tv, AC Service Tech, and MeasureQuick. If you're interested in learning more about what we have to talk about here in the Building HVAC Science Podcast, you can drop an email to marketing at truetechtools.com. The Building HVAC Science Podcast is a production of True Tech Tools Limited. In full disclosure, I'm a co-owner of True Tech. Also, if you're in the market for tools or test instruments mentioned in our podcast or just shopping around in general and you're in the trades, take a look what True Tech Tools has to offer. You can use the offer code HVACBS for a nice discount. As always, thank you for listening and following us on the Building HVAC Science Podcast. If you have not subscribed, please consider doing so. And take care and have a wonderful day. Mm-hmm.